0: Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 65, released on May 26th, 2010. My name is Steve Eunice, and joining me, my co-host, Neil Bailey. G'day, Neil.
1: I'm Ron Burgundy. Hey, Steve. Hey, you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's getting to be summer around here, though. You wouldn't know it
0: for the rain. Oh, fair enough. Well, it's uh, really getting chilly over here, so uh, winter is uh, is uh, is nigh. Ah. What's new in your world?
1: Oh, just uh, finished another book. Uh, trying to, to to recover from the from the crush of writing three novels in a year and a half. I don't know. My I, I, my my brain is exploding. <laughs>
0: very good, very good. Well, uh, did your brain explode with our first discussion topic, the season finale of season nine of Smallville? Dead to me. It's dead to me. It's so <laughs> dead to me. No. Uh, <laughs> um.
1: I tried to make sense of it. It was it was lots of exciting things. Like it was like watching a Michael Bay movie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh look, it's an explosion here. Oh look, it's an explosion there. What does this mean? You know. Um, so, yeah. so you weren't impressed. I was, you know. If it, it's kind of weird because now I'm in the position of where all the people who used to like write me and were like, "Don't pay attention, don't think about anything, just watch the show," and I promise you'll like it. And and I still found myself being pulled pulled out by the uh, big gaping open plot holes and the like. Um, I I there there were a lot of things. It, 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 the funny thing is, it's been what three weeks now, something like that, mm-hmm. two weeks and 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 already most of the major plot points have fallen right out of my head but i I remember thinking about the about the zod stuff that uh it was utterly astonishing that uh Zod just kind of sat on those powers for weeks and and after Clark was like after Clark gave him the old the old uh, one-finger salute. He, he, he just kind of was like, okay, I'm going to wait until he uh, until he gets the Book of Rao, and then I'm going to confront him, and I'm not going to really... And, like, getting the blue kryptonite knife instead of, like, I, I don't know. It seems like he went through all these weird efforts to come up with these weird side side plots, and, and, and it was all cloak and dagger. You remember that thing where he was, like, uh, doing the thing with Tess where he was like, I'm going to destroy you. No, I'm going to destroy you because I've thought three steps ahead, and I've thought three steps ahead. And yet once he's actually... Enacted his plan. He, he, his plan is like a blue kryptonite shiv. You know, he's like, "I'm gonna knife your clock."
0: You know, <laughs> you know what? Fantastic. It just it just struck me as very funny that you said cloak and dagger, and that's exactly what he was. Yeah,
1: yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he had a cloak and a dagger. <laughs> that's about it. And 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 you know, they did the. Clark does the stabby thing and he's like pulled away. And and, and it's another one of those cases where you've got the kryptonite right there the whole time and yet other people aren't being affected. And I guess it's a lead sheath or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. uh... I'm impressed, though, with the ability with which Jor-El had such incredible foresight to plan all of these things that would potentially happen in the future while his planet was being destroyed. (laughs) You know, it's like Clark's going to be he's having it was the Nostradamus of Krypton. Yeah, pretty much. The Nostradamus Krypton. He's gonna be having Clark's gonna be having his fifth kid, you know, and and then all of a sudden a recording is gonna pop up. Use the wipes that I sent you, Clark. <laughs> you know, it's like.
0: Yeah. No, but I uh, that's. I think that was a bit of a problem with the end. Of, towards the end of season nine was the pacing. Uh, you'd get these, uh, you know, nice feel-good episodes like you know the return of Martha and uh, with Perry, and they had this oh, nice meal and oh, oh. Clark sitting there having dinner with the four of them instead of uh, looking for the Kryptonians. So. There was
1: there was a caption contest entry that solved that really well. Um, I don't know if you saw it or not, but it was hilarious. It made me laugh a lot. The uh, the guy who said, "Don't worry, kid. It's it's Henry Martha Kent, Henry Perry White, and <laughs> yeah, Lois Lane." You know that <laughs> pretty much sums it up.
0: Yeah, no, but uh, you know I was impressed with certain parts of uh, the season finale. I thought um, you know there were there were aspects to it that uh, you know were different and and interesting. I mean I've I've never been a fan of. You know, then preempting everything that's supposed to happen in the Superman world of, you know, once he's Superman and all that seems to happen before he's Superman in this ret- this telling of the of the of the uh journey to becoming Superman. Uh, he's now it seems like Lois has already found out that Clark and, and the Blur are uh, one and the same from that kiss and um yeah, it because I mean and it had to happen in that episode because, you know, by feeling Zod's hand on her shoulder she recognised that it wasn't Clark's or the blur's real hand so for god's sake if Clark's gonna kiss her and she's gonna get kissed by the blur then if she can work out from the touching of a hand that it's one person not another then surely in a a passionate kiss she's gonna be able to work out that uh Clark and the blur are are one and the same and I'm glad that they did that for the sake of the character's um uh, reputation I suppose because it should be pretty stupid if she couldn't work out from a kiss but she could work it out from a hand
1: yeah, well, it's uh, it's going to be, they, they've they got the suit, they delivered the suit this last season, and, and yet they're going to come up with another reason for an entire year why you can't wear it for whatever reason. Yeah. But I think it pretty much encapsulated my feeling about the uh, show, that uh, w- when they had the reflection in Clark's eyes part and the S was backwards, you know, <laughs> it's like, they're going to do this thing that everybody wants to see. But they're gonna do it with kind of a subtle lack of care that shows that they're not gonna pay attention to the ramifications of what they're doing and the continuity well, of what.
0: Doing. It was Martha was giving him a Bizarro suit.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like because <laughs> she's evil now. You know, and even, maybe she's Bizarro Martha, Henry <laughs> Clark Martha, yeah. or Henry Martha Kent is is a Bizarro version because she's evil now. Apparently, yeah. I, it's, I was watching. Okay, there's something right there. I was watching that show and I'm like. I know that if a character returns, if any major character returns, they have to be evil by the end of the episode. And sure (laughs) enough, they turned. You know, and granted, she was protecting Clark. Yeah, but she's still she's still beating people up and having covert assassins do awful things. And it's like, yeah, sure, that's that's dear old mock hint, isn't it? That's right. You know,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, I know what you mean. But um, and the thing that got me was they understand that that first segment of the of the season finale, that dream sequence. Was going to excite everybody because that's the show they want. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh the they fact hardly is, even they still, showed Superman. I know they hardly even showed it, but you know, the the fact that, you know, look up in the sky that, you know, uh, here's Clark Kent, you know, left his glasses on his desk and he's gone and changed into Superman, he saved the plane and yeah. you know, Lois is is Lois and and there, are Jimmy's Jimmy Olsen is somewhere, and and you know, and you know, there's the costume, and there's the reflection in his eyes of the costume he's being given, and everyone's excited because this is this is what they want, but this is not the show that Smallville is.
1: Yeah. Oh God, it's been what eleven years since we've seen a live action Superman on a TV screen, yeah. something
0: like that. Yeah. That's that's right. You know, and uh, it's not actually a Superman series yet, so um, everyone wants a Superman series. Everyone wants to see. Clark in the costume everyone wants to see him be called Superman um well I can't say everyone and I can't speak for everyone but um obviously there are people out there who are happy with the show and are very happy with the show um but the fact that they put in that scene as I was saying in the beginning of that episode shows that they know that this will tease the fans and excite the fans but yet that's not the show they're prepared to give us I'm I'm just it, it really baffles
1: me It must be Tom Welling's decision or or, or whatnot, because at this point, they've taken so many things from the mythos and just run with it. You know, it's obvious that they're not doing this because they don't want to violate the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's got to just be that Tom doesn't want to put on the suit, and and, boy... I wish I could understand that. I kind of can't. It's not like he, it's like he, a, after 10 years of playing Superman, he's not going to be typecast as Superman. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, well, he says um, he's terrified of donning the tights. And uh, so, <laughs> I don't know. Whether it's a physique thing, whether it's a physical thing, whether it's a, like you said, a typecast thing. I don't know what the problem is. But um, the thing is, by putting that sequence in 2012, 2013, or whatever it was that was on the banner, uh, in that final episode of that dream sequence, uh, shows that uh, you know they're still not prepared to do it in next year. It's more like it's you know it's a couple of years in the future.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it was like uh, <laughs> I had this frightening thought. Oh God, they're gonna do twelve seasons. Oh God.
0: <laughs> well, some you people were me. saying that uh, that sequence was a dream of his first appearance in the costume. Yeah, which yeah, it's, you know, you I mean, don't... it's similar in what happened in the comics with him saving the, the space plane. Um, you know, it's similar to what happened in Superman the animated series where he saved um, you know the aeroplane landing in Metropolis. So it seems to be that you know this could this could be, that could have been the uh, debut of Superman in the costume as far yeah. as uh, Smallville is concerned. And if that's the case, then we're not going to see Superman in the costume uh, in season ten. Yeah,
1: I, well, I I would doubt that we will. I I, I think that it, it, even in the uh, even in the interview, he kind of hedged around that a little bit. The, the very rare Tom Welling few moments with yeah. him a couple of a couple of days ago, but uh, I don't know. I still don't. Th- I, I will be pleasantly surprised if I'm wrong, but I still don't think we'll see him don any kind of suit other than like <laughs> maybe like the shirt. I'll bet yeah, they put him in a blue shirt next year. You well, that's know, because the they put that's the a- S on him.
0: That could be what Martha was giving him. It could be a blue undershirt with the, right. you know, with the red and yellow S, and that's what he'll wear underneath his trench coat next next season <laughs> instead of just his his Neo-Matrix trench coat. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. Okay. And we've been speaking about season ten, and it, it has been announced that it is the final season of the show. Tom yeah. Welling has teased in video interviews that, oh, you know, the fans hold all the power. If there's enough people watching, then it could go beyond that. But um. The official announcement from the CW is that Season 10 is the final season. And it's been very rare that a show has been announced as the final season and then continued on uh, beyond the, that announcement. So, um, you know, I think it's more of, you know, he wants to get the fans to return to the show. who, those who Of course, ratings have been down this season to some degree. Um, you know, the season finale wasn't... Um, they were down a quarter
1: weren't they like yeah. at
0: like a quarter of of what the ratings were last year. Yeah, exactly. So there are um you know reasons why they would say, you know, the more people that watch the more chance there is of season 11 but uh obviously they they're looking for you know higher ratings and as Smallville still is on Friday night and it's now being joined by Supernatural which is also going to be in its final season um next season and uh will be partnered with Smallville on Friday nights on the CW so um, season ten, the final season, but, and, uh, and uh, they're finally getting rid of Chloe. Like the last,
1: yeah. the last major cast member from the original setup, other than Tom, is now going to be gone.
0: Couple well, that's t- it. I mean, Chloe will be back in season ten. She won't be a series regular, which means she won't be in every episode. She'll probably be like what Lois was in some of her earlier seasons, where instead of being on for the full twenty two episodes, she was in say thirteen. Um, yeah. So Chloe will still be around. Don't worry about that. But she won't be uh, a series regular. So, uh, but she definitely wants to uh, finish off. Uh, Allison Mack definitely wants to come back and finish off Chloe's story and her journey uh, in Smallville.
1: That would be good. I think. That, I don't know. I still. I, I often wonder what would have happened if they had actually had a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of. They had obviously no idea how far it would go, but if they had actually killed Chloe at the end of season three, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How how much different of a show it might have been.
0: Oh, definitely. definitely. And uh, I wanted to get your opinion of that uh, legendary Chloe Sullivan commercial by the fans.
1: You know, I haven't seen it. Okay. I haven't seen it. I'm 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 desperately in love with Chloe, but uh, <laughs> no, I I have not seen it yet. And it's mostly just been because, like I was saying, I I I have completed the third novel, so like I I I look like Spider Jerusalem before he shaved all his hair. <laughs> you know, like I I get this wild look on my eye, and I walked outside, and I'm like, "What is this crazy ball?" So,
0: you know. Well, uh, for those who uh, like yourself haven't seen it, um. Look, I'm all for fans doing stuff, for, you know, their favourite character, and um, and all, more power to these to these ladies who put together this Chloe Sullivan commercial and, and uh, a tribute to what Alison Mack has done um, on the show. But um, it was a bit, a bit weird for me. It was like a bit creepy. Um, I don't see really Chloe as being the feminine role model that uh, necessarily you want your daughters to be a serial killing uh, <laughs> uh,
1: big brother enthusiast.
0: Yeah, I well, I don't I don't <laughs> think you want to necessarily be be uh making your life um similar to hers or setting up your uh your your ethics, your morals around what Chloe does. Um, I, it's it's
1: not so much uh, that Chloe's a bad character, it's that she's been written badly, I yeah, would say. exactly. I, I think the focusing on the good aspects of the character, there are a lot of things that you can pull out of there. Um, but like Smallville, any of the moral characters characters in Smallville are deeply flawed because of the fact that they have the do as I say not as I do approach, and a lot of the things that they do are hypocritical, even up to and including Clark, which is unfortunate and it's one of my biggest complaints about the show. There are times when Clark will like jump in front of that meteor and stop a kid from being hit by the, uh, by the rock and but there's been times ever since season two where he will purposefully take red kryptonite which is essentially like taking drugs and then just ruin the lives of a bunch of people including you know like like his dead potential brother or sister or whatever that was you know like like every character chloe included has gone to the dark side in an out of character episode and done things that are reprehensible and awful
0: and don't get me wrong this is that's no uh, slur on Alison max i think she's a fantastic actress and uh, Agreed. One of my favourite uh, cast members on the show. And uh, we even got to meet, meet her in person when we were in Metropolis in 2008. And she's a lovely, lovely person. And uh, Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't... Uh, this is, you know, if it's, as a tribute to her as an actress, fantastic, great. But as a tribute to Chloe as a character, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. You know, I mean, she has kind of gone off the rails a little bit uh, over the last few seasons. I wouldn't necessarily be... Um, You know, be looking to her as a role model.
1: I wouldn't look to,
0: especially in Smallville's
1: main cast right now. Her and Green Arrow are extraordinarily tainted, and I don't just mean tainted in the sense that oh yeah, they sided with Lex Luthor on something. In that they both aided and abetted murder. Yeah, you know, like not even, not even kind of halfway. It's like she helped Doomsday kill people. You know, that's right. Um, she she didn't she I think she She killed linda lake right uh yeah that's kind of i think i think chloe killed linda lake and green arrow murdered lex luthor as far as we know i know we all know that lex luthor comes back eventually that's meta and beyond the point green arrow sets out to and actually murders lex luthor that's that right. forever tarnishes him as a person. You cannot commit murder and come back from that and be a moral person unless you were act unless you were somehow affected by some kind of, you know,
0: mind control or whatever, but that's not indicated in any way in the narrative for either character. Okay, well, talking about reprehensible characters, uh Tom wants Lana to come back in season ten. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Did you like that segue? <laughs>
0: Oh God, my embolism. <laughs> yeah, well, no. Tom says that he wants Michael Rosenbaum and Kristen Creuk to return, if possible, in the final season of the show to, I guess, you know, round off the series. And I don't, if, I don't mind that. I think that, you know, especially actually, Lex. Yeah. All, all joking aside, if they bring back Lana and Lex into a nod, that'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't see how Lana's character can come back without some major, uh, uh, you know, thing because of the fact that she's now a kryptonite. Imbued, and <laughs> she'll imbued. walk in. My powers
1: went away somehow.
0: Unless she, she wears, wears a, evil a lead by
1: the
0: suit M- again. No, yeah. Unless she wears a lead suit of some kind or something like that. Right. But uh, no, <laughs> definitely Lex Luthor. If we can get some kind of a, you know, a nod to that and uh, have him, you know, round off the series and you know come back to power in Metropolis, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, we'll see what happens with season ten. It's even Tom doesn't know exactly what's happening yet. They haven't written or done anything with the, the the beginning of season 10 yet uh we don't know how clark will um you know uh get out of the situation he's in falling to his apparent doom with a blue kryptonite knife in his side but um very uh very obviously the symbolism there was uh very uh christ like and uh not the first time we've seen that either in a superman story I wonder, you know, I'm I'm betting he'll pull the knife out and fly up into the air. What do you think? Yeah, well, that would be no. interesting. I don't no, think so, no, but no. that yeah, he usually has <laughs> to take a leap of some kind. He hasn't even le- leapt to what, to fly uh, on his own. Yeah, yeah. No, that was me being sarcastic. <laughs> really? Sigh. <laughs> All right, uh, but for our fans in um, the UK uh, who have been waiting for season nine of Smallville to begin because. Let's face it, uh, only um, America and Canada have received Season 9 unless, and I know there are people in Ireland and, and uh, other parts of the world who have got uh, certain cable networks who uh, allow them to watch Season 9. have been broadcasting Season 9 for uh, some time now. But most fans in the UK get to watch Smallville through the channel E4. And uh, finally, uh, after uh, much waiting, uh, E4 will begin airing uh the first episode of Smallville at 9 p.m. on Tuesday, June 1st. So uh set your time, set your clocks for that. Uh if you're in the UK and uh waiting for the premiere of season 9 of Smallville uh in the UK. So um and be thankful because in Australia uh Smallville's pretty much been taken off the air as far as free-to-air channels are concerned and they're still they're showing repeats of season 6 on Fox 8 uh on cable. So um uh, Sounds like purgatory. Yeah, well, I mean, there are you can get all all eight seasons on DVD uh, in stores readily in Australia. So uh, fans will obviously you know wouldn't be waiting for a TV uh, if they can get them on DVD with all the extras and no commercials and all that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, season eight is available on DVD uh, pretty much all around the world these days. But um, season nine will be on DVD. I'm guessing around September. Uh, which is usually when they release the box sets. And uh, the uh, cover artwork is, is available now for anyone who wants to check it out. It's got uh, Tom Welling standing in the black trench coat with the S on his chest in front of Metropolis with uh, Watchtower in the background. The, Here's uh, a bit
1: of an ancillary question. They have uh, some of the later seasons on Blu-ray. Are there any plans on bringing
0: the earlier seasons to Blu-ray? Good question. I don't know. I, I think Warner Brothers are going about releasing certain things to Blu-ray, you know, in a a timely manner. I don't think they're necessarily rushing into it, Um, you know, just because, uh, you know, these things are available on DVD and probably don't benefit that much from a, uh, you know, a release to Blu-ray if sales aren't necessarily uh, super-duper. So um, I guess... Probably the big Uber set
1: that happens when
0: it's all over, I'll bet. Yeah, I'm sure once the season, 10th season is, is finished, they probably will release a... Like I said, a big set complete of the whole series, both on DVD and Blu-ray, but uh, we'll wait for that announcement uh, officially from Warner Home Video. Uh, okay, well that's Smallville and that's our uh, TV talk. Um, we haven't heard anything further about the uh, Young Justice animated series at this point in time, but uh, that is coming to Cartoon Network in the not-too-distant future. But um, let's talk comics and War of the Superman. What's your thoughts so far?
1: Well, I I am disappointed so far. I was I was hoping it would be better. Um it seems like everything kind of got rushed in the wake of the new teams. Um and it seems like it's kind of fallen apart like a lot of the things that could have been dealt with were not. But it, I don't know, the whole time there's been a lot of there's been a lot of uh pacing issues with with the uh with the elements that led with Superman going away, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I felt that um you know, Nightwing, Flamebird, uh, Monel uh, all these things kind of didn't... You know, the timing was a bit off. And, uh, you know, the the actual New Krypton storyline and, uh, li- you know, the uh, Superman or Kal-El being, you know, in the w- army and everything of you know, of New Krypton, and that was all kind of okay um, and was as paced pretty well. But um, now when everything's trying to come together in a bit of a rush and do this, you know, four-issue uh, War of the Superman in one month, it seems to be retreading a lot of steps rather than having any progress
1: yeah there's a lot of summary and i mean the big fight with brainiac was essentially just kind of like throwing robots at people instead of any kind of character so it's all very very plot based and i know that's like saying a comic plot based you know and it Mm -hmm. makes you want to smack me in the mouth but the truth is like the whole aspiration of this entire idea seemed to be developing some new characters and then bringing them to a culmination. And that culmination has just kind of fallen flat and the wheels have fallen off the cart. Um, I mean, it's, it's a story called war of the Superman and it's like the seventh issue. I think it one, two, three, four, five, six. it would be the seventh issue of like, say this eight part overall culmination. And it's and by the middle of the seventh issue is how long it takes for Zod to attack. You know, like yeah. for Zod, uh, the, the the attack that he declared he was going to make three issues ago or something like that. And essentially, all it's shown is not the consequences of these attacks, but random shots of people like, oh, no, Zod's coming at me. Oh, no, Zod's done this. Oh, no, Zod's done that. And, and there's very little... There's very little actual depiction of it in a visual medium. You know, there's lots of uh, and, and it seems to be kind of trying to be arty in a way that kind of fails because there's something to be said for not showing something uh, it, in a movie. You know, because you don't have the benefit of an effects budget, you can't show the Wolfman very long. So what you got to do is strategic cuts. But this is a comic book. And if you're going to have Zod and 7,000 Kryptonians rain hell down on Earth, are you going to spend time having Steel and Superboy assault Mount Rushmore and defeat kind of crummy, shoddy little troops to rescue Nat? Or are you going to have Nat escape and have, like, three more pages of just catastrophic destruction or maybe Superman reacting to the fact that he just lost what 90 thought was it? 90,000 fellow Kryptonians. Yeah. Or like, like I put in my review, Supergirl just lost her mother. Supergirl lost her mother. And, and you're, and they're focusing on like Ursa attacking the white house, looking for the president.
0: Like why, you know? Mm, Well, What got me was that this was supposed to be the 100-minute war, supposed to be uh, each issue, the four issues, telling the war in 25-minute increments, and there hasn't been any sense of that whatsoever. Oh, God, and the
1: spaceship thing, that was just, oh, man, that made me cringe. The way that it's so obvious they set up those spaceships and that armada so that they could justify Zod surviving the red sun shift thing, you know? (laughs) And I know a lot of people lament the red sun device, but I will buy it. I will buy that you can turn the sun red and that it'll take away Kryptonian's powers, but then what happens is if they're in space and you take away their powers, explosive decompression and death, you know?
0: Yeah, and the only way to stop that is by having them in a spaceship
1: well assuming that krypton is a new krypton is way the heck out there in the uh in the reaches of space you know and assuming that these guys can't survive for a certain amount of time breathing oxygen or whatever um Nonetheless, the time it would take to get that armada there and to prepare it and to get it ready versus the attack that Lane makes, it just seems rather like, uh, like for two or three issues, there were all these people. Like, I think at the beginning of the first issue, weren't all those, uh, Kryptonians heading straight to Earth from
0: space? Yeah, they had a, an image of Kryptonians outside the spaceships and obviously with the spaceships, um, uh, almost, you know, looked like they're around orbit of Earth, but, um, now, you know, if, if some of them can get there without spaceships, why did they need the spaceships?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of weird things in there. Like, why did Lois Lane get kidnapped by Sam Lane? What's the point of that? You know, like, it's it's obvious to put Lois and the damsel in distress situation, which is not my favorite position for Lois Lane, you know, or uh, the whole Lois Earth's uh, cat fight that seems to be burgeoning um, when, really, Supergirl right now, if Supergirl were being in character, would be making a beeline to Sam Lane, yeah. you know? It's like yeah. Sam Lane just killed her mother. Yeah. Sam
0: Lane just destroyed her planet. You know? Yeah,
1: and you Why made some, is she, uh. I
0: was gonna say you made some good points in your uh Bailey Planet a couple of weeks back saying um, you know, all these certain plot threads were never really picked up. Uh, you know, the Guardian and his daughter, um Zatara you know, he, he showed up briefly in the the Adam uh, uh Captain Adam side story that was going on in some of the issues um you know all that kind of stuff kind of fell by the wayside um uh, and weren't really picked up on i i i understand if things
1: got canceled midstream or if things got moved around midstream for whatever reason and they had to uh and they had to deal with that in the quickest way possible. But nonetheless, there are other ways to do that than fudging things in the story. You can just kind of ignore certain elements. Like, I'm not mad that Captain Adam's element is getting ignored. That's okay by me, because I understand sometimes stories get cut off abruptly midstream. But to kind of um, to kind of ignore the characters' motivations when with the characters that you choose to deal with because you have those characters to deal with and because you have X amount of time left, Kind of, kind of bugs me because it's. I, I can understand when the limitations of story stop someone, or the limitations of space, tell some, uh, stop someone from doing a certain thing they need to do. But what really bugs me is when you take a character and you put them out of character in order to have them in a story and finish a story and still tell the story without really putting the time and effort and thought into it. I like to obsess over my characters personally and make the plot reflect their their dilemma um i i like the, the it, it, for instance it, it, it's very very good to see not i wouldn't say good but i i i understand the idea of taking away supergirl's parents to give her kind of the same feelings and motivations that superman has in in, in one respect but i don't like the idea kind of a good converse example of the kind of stuff that they're doing with the series overall is like what they did with pa kent where pa kent dies because it's a shocking thing to do but it's not used to make any hay with characters Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like you can destroy new krypton but I want to see some fallout from that, not you know, like a fight on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I I I don't care. About what happened on some obscure uh, base in the middle of Antarctica and how they react to Zod tearing people's throats out because we all know that that's going on and that's grisly. I want to know what turns Zod from a methodical, thinking, calculating dictator with a plausible motivation into a guy who's like, "Let's destroy Earth and show them what Kryptonians can do!" You know?
0: <laughs> well, uh, talking about villains, uh, what are your thoughts on the upcoming Lex Luthor storyline? Uh, now, I haven't followed blackest night and i believe he got a taste of uh some orange
1: yeah, he put I mean, on an orange avarice ring, which basically makes you want and desire things beyond your uh, like. Like, uh, you try and collect everything that you can find that interests you, and it fits Lex Luthor not to a T, but it fits a lot of his motivations. And I'm kind of eager to see what they do with it. I'm a- I'm eager for any Lex Luthor stories, but it's he's kind of just disappeared in the last couple of years, you know.
0: Yeah, well, Paul Cornell, who's coming on as the new writer of Action Comics, with I think it's issue 891. Um, Will be focusing as le- on Lex Luthor as the main um, character in his uh, in his run, and basically says that uh, Lex has been left with a terrible craving for more power, which uh, annoys his control freak sensibilities and makes him feel weak. And uh, he had a taste, and he wants more. So uh, he's uh, you know, out to uh, you know uh, get more power in some way. And now that he's been pardon, I guess, uh, from his criminal activities by the uh, U.S. government uh, during the uh, World of New Krypton saga. Um, It'll be interesting to see exactly where he's going. And it says something here about he wants to take Lois Lane along with him as his girlfriend. That's obviously (laughs) something that's uh, in his mind, um, obviously one of the, the, the objects of his desire, I guess, and um exactly how she'll react to wanting to for him wanting to be uh around her will be interesting
1: I'm, I'm eager to check it out. It's it's one of the, you know, on the bare-bone plot ideas, it's one of the more interesting things that I've wanted to see in the last couple of years. But, uh, you know, I, I have to see it in motion before I know how it works because sometimes it can be really, really great. And sometimes it can, you know, like even the best of concepts can sometimes go astray like the uh, Lex Luthor Man of Steel series that kind of was like a drift in weird continuity but still had some good points. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'm eager to see how it works.
0: Okay, now the other one that caught my eye in the upcoming solicitations was The Last Family of Krypton, which is essentially an Elseworlds tale. Uh, it's yeah. a mini series that will tell the story of what if Kal-El was sent to Earth, but not on his own. What if Lara and jor came in the rocket ship with him? This is like the first
1: Elseworlds in like seven or eight years, isn't it? it
0: feels like it. Uh, I can't remember the last one. It's been so long. And DC have basically gone away from the Elseworlds Basically yeah. saying that if something can happen, it's really happened in a, say a different Earth. You know, now that we've got the multiverse back.
1: Yeah, I remember cutting my teeth on all those Elseworlds titles for for reviewing on the Superman homepage, and yeah, it used to be that. like you'd have to pay six dollars to get a sixty-four page story, and I was like, six dollars—that's how thats how we robbery, and that's about <laughs> yeah. what you pay for a title now.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love the Elseworlds concept, and uh, it's a, it's a shame that they uh, moved away from it to a degree. I guess it was, of course, they wanted to make things i don't know less uh confusing but they did that with uh
1: yeah leave room with oh sorry Go i was ahead. just gonna
0: say they brought in the multiverse so i don't see how that uh that hurt
1: yeah yeah they're leaving room for multiversity which will come out in sometime uh and i think it's 2016 is that what they
0: have the projected date as <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah uh. but um yeah so uh last family of krypton will be an interesting one i'm uh i'm interested to see how that uh how that story pans out um just reading the, where is it here? Kerry Bates will be the the writer of the uh, three issue Elseworlds miniseries, and um, yeah, he says that uh, up till now Superman has always been portrayed as an orphan, the only, the alone alien living among humans who had the good fortune to be raised by the kindly Kents, but now that jor and Lara are now never far from his side, the orphan lone alien card goes out the window, and yeah. so it's uh, it's an interesting uh, yeah, it's, he says. How Kal-el's alternate life unfolds in this alternate reality should fuel the whole nature versus nurture debate for years to come. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, it's
1: like um, Superman. A lot. Very Superman has very little catharsis in that respect uh, without his parents being dead. You know, because he had his other parents alive.
0: And that's it. Um, that everyone kind of everyone says shift. that the Kents were the moral compass for him to become Superman. So yeah, um, you know, we've seen stories where he hasn't been found by the Kents, but it'll be interesting to see a story where he's brought up by his parents who are super parents.
1: Yeah, and and are I I wonder if they're going to go with the science. Yeah, yeah, like like the scientific uh dis- the, the the pulled back John Byrne kind of krypton sure. thing, you know, cuz that could turn him into a real cold calculating guy or it could yeah. turn him into, you know, like a basically like a, a super scientist who tries to maximize through theorems how many people he can save you know <laughs>
2: um
1: it's like an ends justifies the means pragmatist in in that kind of real chilling sense i guess but yeah. i'm interested in it
0: yeah it should be it should be an interesting one so we look forward to uh, to that i believe it comes out in uh, august so um we look forward to that now uh in other comic book news superboy will be getting his own comic book title in august as well Uh, with Jeff Lemire, I think it's pronounced, uh, coming on to write that series and uh, should be very interesting for Superboy fans for the character to once again get his own title in the comic books. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, well, I think he had uh, obviously a title uh, going back after the death of Superman story and then there was Superboy and the the Raves or what was that?
1: Oh, uh, boy, you know, I can't even remember. (laughs) <laughs> That's how long ago I should. Was. I should. I'm a bad Superman fan, but I but I don't remember.
0: Yeah, well, I've never been necessarily a Connor Kent fan or a you know a, um, a Superboy fan. In that, I never really read his comic books after the death of Superman. So um, uh, yeah, but for Superman fans who uh, sorry, Superboy fans who are interested uh, in in the character and looking forward to his own title outside of where he's currently shown in Adventure Comics and Teen Titans, uh, Superboy will be getting his own title starting in August. So. Look for that uh, in the coming months.
1: Do you know um, that's another thing? Is it going to fit in
0: with the triangles, or are the triangles gone? Have we figured that out yet? No, I think the triangles are gone. I mean, as of pretty much the uh, War of the Supermen, there you know, there's no ti- triangles on those because of the fact that they're, it's its own thing. Um, right. And then the new, ti- new creative teams come on board after the War of the Supermen, so um, I think we've pretty much seen the end of the triangle numbering for the time being. Because uh, Superman, written by uh, jo- uh, J. Michael Straczynski, uh, will be a separate thing to uh, Paul Cornell's uh, action comics. So right. um, it'll be interesting to see whether or not they actually tie in in any ways, whether, you know, as it used to be, if, you know, say uh, Jimmy Olsen has broken his arm in one title, whether or not he ends up in a cast in the other title, but with the stories not necessarily converging. That was one of the most
1: difficult parts of, like, the Chuck Austin, Brian Azzarello, yeah. Greg brecca Superman era because everything was so different in every different title, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. But um should be interesting. I think. Not, I don't think necessarily that uh, Superman will be uh, a common character in action comics. I think it will be focusing on Lex Luthor and, and the Metropolis crew uh, with Superman possibly off in space somewhere for uh, the Superman title. But... Um, uh, we'll wait and see exactly what happens there, but yeah, it should be interesting times with new creative teams coming on board the titles it's always an interesting thing to see exactly what um avenue they take right okay uh let's move away from the comic books and talk about superman movies now um there isn't really any news any new information on the upcoming Superman movie, except for the fact that just before um or just after the our last podcast. An announcement came out by the IMAX corporation saying that uh, they've done a deal with Warner Brothers to release um, you know all their big movies um, between now and 2013 uh, in IMAx and um, Superman was mentioned amongst those titles uh, those movies, so um, it's pretty much confirmed that um, by the IMAX corporation that we will see or the IMAX group. That we will see uh, Superman between now and I guess the end of 2013. Some people are speculating that it'll be Christmas 2012, but um, there is no official uh, announcement as for a date, but we do know that it has been mentioned in an official announcement from IMAX and Warner Brothers that Superman will be released to IMAX screens and that will it will happen between uh, before or well, by 2013.
1: Yeah, at very least, it's 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 a time box. It's a tentpole time box when we know that it's probably you know that it's that it's got to be there by X time, which kind of gives them a target, which we haven't even had, you know.
0: No, exactly. I mean, it's been four years since Superman Returns, and now we know it's going to be within the next three years that we'll get a new Superman movie. So, really, we're just over the halfway mark in the waiting stakes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Oy>. <laughs> all right but uh that's the only other really news we news we have on the superman movie um there is nothing um uh out there at the moment we know that they're working on a script or a script is being written or it has been written but uh by david goya and uh with uh christopher nolan uh overseeing that but uh as to any concrete uh plans we uh all we know is it will be between it will happen uh by 2013 so uh fingers crossed and uh keep looking for news as uh, as that time uh drags on but um in the real world we've got the Superman celebration in Metropolis Illinois in June and uh that's coming up quick and very fast um won't be too far away for our coverage of the Metropolis Superman celebration I can't believe it's been 2 years since you and I met there
1: yeah it's crazy I tell you it doesn't
0: feel like it but uh I don't know hopefully I'll be able to get myself there again soon yeah, well, uh, we've got uh, Jamie Kelly and his uh, new wife, Rhonda, um, going to be covering events for the Superman homepage as Clark Kent and Lois Lane, as they did last year for us. Um, but we've also got uh, Superman homepage staff members on the ground this year as well with uh, Barry Fryman, Adam Dechannel, and I think Ralph Silver is also um, making his way to Metropolis this year. So we'll definitely have a pretty good coverage of events in Metropolis for the 2010 Superman celebration. So if you're if you're really um, thinking about going, uh, I believe it's June 10th to 13th this year. I'll just double check that. But um, there are still uh, hotel rooms available. Um, so if you're interested, go to supermancelebration.com, and the um, the website uh, states yes, it's June 10th to June 13th, the 32nd annual Superman celebration so um supermancelebration.net sorry is the is the website so visit supermancelebration.net for the details of the 2010 superman celebration it's a great event to go to as a superman fan um, everybody like you go to a normal convention and there are fans of every type of, of comic book movie and uh, and you know sci-fi and all that but the superman celebration is dedicated solely to superman and Superman fans are the only people you'll see there, so it's a great place to go and visit as a Superman fan. A lot of fun. Yes, and don't forget Laura Vandervoort, Sam Witwer, and, of course, Noel Neal are all the special guests this year. For comic book fans, there's Carmine Infantino who is a special guest, and, of course, producer Ilya Salkine will be at the Superman celebration this year, so there's plenty and plenty to, to see, as well as the unveiling of the lower Lane Noel Neal statue. Uh, in the uh, in the town square, so plenty to see at the 2010 Superman celebration in Metropolis, Illinois. Okay, the uh, the last thing we wanted to talk about was uh, you know a bit of a down story in regards to Warner Brothers DC Comics suing the uh, Siegel's lawyer uh, Mark Tobaroff in the ongoing Superman copyright legal battle. Um, basically, they've said that uh, Mark Tobaroff has uh, had a financial stake in. In um, getting the seagulls and, Sh- and the Schusters to uh, sue for the rights or to claim back the rights to Superman, and DC and Warner Brothers saying that uh, he's you know basically coerced them into doing that because he'll get a financial stake in that. But uh, Mark Tobarov came back with a press release saying that that's false and uh, that there is no truth to that, and that's the latest leg of the battle in the Superman copyright legal confrontation going on between the seagulls and warner brothers dc eventually
1: they will um sue each other
0: so much that their um
1: <coughs> lawyers will will disappear into the antimatter universe and be never heard from again hopefully
0: yeah it's uh unfortunately a never-ending battle isn't it between the two of yes. them and um, uh-huh. you know i'll sue you you sue me now i'll sue your lawyer and yeah uh, it's just dragging <laughs> on but um pretty soon we're gonna get
1: sued you know that it's gonna
0: happen gotta happen
1: We'll get
0: <laughs> Don't say that. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, yeah, no, uh that's uh that's an interesting uh development there in the ongoing legal battle. But Can uh I Lana? If you like, I'll uh, try. I'll try. <laughs> let's move on to the big question segment <laughs> of the show.
2: Let's start with the big question.
0: All right, what do you got? Well, last month we had the question, uh, will you be watching the new Young Justice animator series set to be released on Cartoon Network? And we received a few responses. Uh, who do we have up first? We'll get uh, Calvin Bose, who wrote, I will definitely
1: be watching the Young Justice show. The reason is that, is that, was in my opinion, was the first team first team book that actually let them be kids. My favorite moment was when all the adult heroes were, weren't were upset that the kids were risking their lives. They were more upset that the boy and girl heroes were planning a weekend together. It brought a smile to me.
0: Yeah, very cool. But uh, Starla Bowes, who's the daughter of Calvin, uh, writes in, My name is Starla and I'm eight years old. My daddy answers a lot of your stuff, so I wanted to try. Welcome, Starla. We're uh, happy to get your response. And She says, yeah. because uh, I really want to see the young Justice cartoon because... I like all the Superman cartoons. I also like Teen Titans, and this looks like uh, a lot like it. Can't I can't wait to see it. I hope I didn't do too bad on my first set, of, but that's what I think. You didn't do too bad at all, Starla. Welcome to... Yeah, welcome. Mario you KML. did great. Hope yeah. you do it again.
1: Alright, Hector wrote, hey guys, love the show I I will be watching because it's something really cool keeping anything uh, related to Superman alive and also the show is a good idea to have a younger audience to follow the show and other members on the team kids will look up to Superman and everything about him thanks for taking your time and reading what I have to say
0: you're welcome thanks Hector, thank you to uh, those three respondents uh, to our big question let's see if we can get more people answering our new big question which is what Neil?
1: It's, uh, what did you think of Season 9 of Smallville? Were you happy with the season finale? Was the Zod storyline what you were expecting? Checkmate? The Blur? Lois? Chloe? Tess Mercer? Granny Goodness? Uh, No, is it Granny? Anyway, let us know what you thought of it all.
0: Yes, let us know what you thought of Season 9 of Smallville by getting uh, into the Big Question segment of the show. You can send your email response by clicking on the Big Question button found at the Superman homepage. You can also record your answer as an audio file and send it to us as an MP3 file, and we'll play that in the next Radio KAL podcast. So get involved with the new Big Question segment of the show.
2: Tension mounts at Star Labs. Dr. Faulkner, please. You bring that, that abomination in here, into my facility... And endanger my entire staff? Oh, I'm not all bad, sugar. Come a little closer and see. As things don't go as planned. I told you this was a bad idea. There's no time for this. Do it. Or what? You'll make me? I have to turn the generator off. (laughs) And Laura and Lobo have the ultimate showdown. Here we stand, or here we fall. I choose to stand. (coughs) Had it! Had it! So totally had it! Bring the house down in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, Issue 65, on May 26, 2010. Only at PendantAudio.com. A simple bank robbery.
0: You heard me. I will shoot the first person that moves a finger.
2: Takes a turn for the worse. Speeding bullet. Maybe you've heard. I'm faster than them. Any questions? Oh, oh, super girl. I have one. Pick me. Ah, uh, seriously. This again. And Kara's day just goes downhill from there. Damn it, metal. But where the hell were you? Right here. It was a robbery at Metropolis Bank. I called for you. Didn't you hear me? Oh yeah,
1: but but see, Ayumi. Uh, she was showing me this game.
2: When I ask for your help, I expect a little more priority than some stupid game. Blah blah blah. Every time she's around you, flip the hell out. I'm not flipping out! I'm really worried about her. Well, you know how she's been acting lately. I swear, she was she was this close to hitting Tally. Tune in to Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, Episode 37. Coming May 26th at PendantAudio.com.
0: Bailey's Bookshelf. Go, Bailey! Michael Bailey returns to Radio KAL with another trade paperback that he's reviewing. So let's uh, hand over to Michael now to see what he has to say.
3: Hey everybody and welcome back to Bailey's Bookshelf, the monthly feature here on Radio KAL, where I walk over to my bookcase, pick out a Superman trade hardcover or even novel to peruse and tell you all why you need to read it. This month, this month I'm going back to 1993 or so, which is kind of depressing because that was literally half my life ago, as I am now 34 years old. In September of 1993, I began my senior year of high school and was coming off of the high that was Reign of the Superman, where Superman came back to life and defeated the cyborg Superman, and Coast City was destroyed, and it was pretty much the most epic thing I had read up until that point. It was also the month where Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, premiered on ABC. This was also an extremely big deal. I had read about it at the beginning of the summer in Wizard Magazine and was watching ABC quite regularly around that summer to see if I could catch advertisements for the show. And they there were ads. They, they weren't as cool as the ads I, I saw a couple years earlier for the Flash TV series on CBS. These were a little more romantic in nature, kind of pointing to the fact that this was going to be a different type of Superman television series, but I didn't really care, because it was Superman on the TV. And while I have very mixed emotions about that show, that first season was and is still rather good. In 1994, DC decided to capitalize on the success of the TV series and release a trade paperback collection called, appropriately enough, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. It features a photo cover of Dean Kane as Clark Kent with Terry Hatcher's Lois Lane hanging on his shoulder. And after an introduction by John Byrne kind of explaining where he was coming from when he redesigned the relationship between Lois and Clark after, uh, during Man of Steel we get a collection of stories that you can read and pretty much see where the producers got some of their ideas from. They include The Story of the Century from Man of Steel number 2, which features Lois Lane trying to get an interview with the new Superman that had rescued her in the previous issue. Then there was Tears for Titano, which featured the post-crisis appearance of the giant ape, sans his kryptonite vision. Uh, Kind of a heavy-handed story, in my opinion. But it does show Lois as the aggressive investigative reporter. Then there's Metropolis 900 Miles, which is the classic story, which was a backup in Superman number 9, which showed just what a cruel so-and-so the new Lex Luthor was. And you can see a lot of what became John Shea's take on Lex Luthor. And John Shea was an excellent Lex Luthor, by the way. Probably my favorite live-action Lex Luthor ever. There's the name game from Superman number 11, which had the post-crisis first appearance of Mr. Mikshiaz Pitalik. Not quite sure why this is in here, because while it does have a little bit of Clark and Lois dynamic to it, it, it really doesn't show... Their relationship, all that much, except in the first couple of pages and on the very last page. Plus, it also has Cat Grant, who was a big part of the first season of Lois and Clark. There is Lois Lane, one of the stories from Action Comics number 600, and the first Roger Stern scripted story of this era. And this is kind of a cool story. It's very short, but it shows Lois uh, in the end game of her undercover investigation of a drug cartel and how she pretty much has to fight her way out of it there is head hunter from adventures of superman number 445 this was written and penciled by jerry Ordway and featured the second appearance of the post-crisis brainiac again not a big lois and clark type story but you know kind of awesome to include nonetheless There is Homeless for the Holidays, which is from Adventures of Superman number 462, which was written by Roger Stern and drawn by Dan Jurgens. And this featured the Daily Planet staff discovering that one of their own, Alice, the copy girl, for lack of a better term, had become a homeless and was actually living in the Daily Planet. And it shows how close the entire Daily Planet staff was and really pointed to the relationships that Lane Smith and Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher and Michael Landis followed very soon by Justin Whalen as what was kind of the heart of Lois and Clark, which was the Daily Planet supporting cast. Then there's the Limits of Power from Adventures of Superman number 466, which was actually the first full appearance of Hank Henshaw, the man that would become the cyborg Superman. Again, not quite sure what this is doing here. It it, it really doesn't have a whole lot to do with the Daily Planet staff outside of uh, Perry and his wife Alice running into Lois and Clark. Uh, but still, a very good story. It, it's kind of like, hey, what what if the Fantastic Four had all died because of getting their abilities and being exposed to cosmic rays? And finally, there is Survival from Action Comics number 655. And this is another one of those stories that features Lois Lane getting into trouble as an investigative reporter. And Superman finally saves her at the end. But really, throughout the story, she's she's pretty much holding her own. Kind of goes back to what makes Lois a great store, a uh, great reporter to begin with. Overall, this was a very solid trade paperback. I liked it quite a bit. I actually had uh, given a copy away at one point, under circumstances I, I really don't want to go into right now. But you know what? This thing was ten dollars at the time, and I paid like two dollars to buy it again. So it was well worth, uh, you know, my eight bits uh, to have it back on the bookshelf. Uh, You can find this on eBay, I'm sure, Uh, probably very reasonably priced. If you haven't read any of these stories, it's a good way to get kind of a sampler of this era of Superman, and I recommend it. So that's it for this month. Join me next month as I take another stroll over to the bookshelf. And don't forget to check out From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Which is hosted by me and Jeffrey Taylor and goes live just about every Thursday here on the Superman homepage. And if you listen to the back episodes, you can hear Jeffrey and I discussing these stories in detail. And now back to Steve and Neil.
0: Thank you, Michael. Remember, if you've got a suggestion for Michael, there's a trade paperback you'd like him to have a look at, you can email Michael at Michael at Supermanhomepage dot com. New email address there for Michael. So, michael at supermanhomepage.com if you want to uh, send him an email for Bailey's bookshelf. Super Secret Soundbite. We had one last month from uh, the uh, very, very,
1: very, very, very first out-of-character episode, didn't we?
0: Yes, well, we had uh, the sound from last month's Super Secret Soundbite contest. Came from Season 1 of Smallville, Episode Nicodemus. Now the, uh, the following people guessed it right and they were Guthrie McLean, James Sellers, Jim Bennett and Stephen Holmes. Congrats guys! Well done to those four people who guessed Nicodemus as the sound for the super secret soundbite. Now let's see if those people and more can guess which episode of Smallville this sound comes from.
1: When well, it's a rule in hell, it's a serve in heaven.
0: Any ideas Neil? Oh, boy. No idea at all. (laughs) (laughs) I remember nothing. (laughs) Well, if you think you know which episode of Smallville that sound came from, use the super-secret soundbite entry form found at Radio KAL's webpage and get your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out in the next Radio KAL podcast. Superman Song.
1: We got a Soul Superman, don't we?
0: Yes, well, last month you'll recall that we played Soul Superman by The Hesitations, a song from 1967. Now, The Hesitations weren't happy with just doing one Soul Superman song. They did another song called Soul Superman Number no. 2. I'm disappointed they didn't call it Soul Superman 2,
1: though, like T-O-O. You know, that's always the best way to do this. Oh, the sequ-
0: yes, but... very, very smart. But um, no, they've done Soul Superman Number no. 2. So here it is, as promised last month. By the hesitations.
2: In it time you need someone. Do you have a chance to slip through my rubber glove?
0: That's the show for another month. Remember, if you've got a topic you'd like Neil and I to discuss, maybe there's a trade paperback you'd like Michael Bailey to review. Is there a big question topic you'd like us to cover? Maybe there's a song you'd like us to play, a Superman song. Well, all those suggestions can be sent to us using the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage um, and get, sh- get those suggestions to us and we'll try to use them for a future podcast. But for episode number 65 of Radio KAL, that's it. We're done. Thank you, Neil.
1: Thank you, Steve. And as Tom Welling once said, remember, when Lex and Lana don't return for the final season,
0: caveat emptor. You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com.